High Valley family, and, and welcome as uh, we're continuing this series that we've been in. This is uh, week number three uh, of our Daring Faith series, and uh, real excited to be back. My wife Susie and I were away uh, last weekend in Florida, and really appreciate all the prayers. Uh, everything went well, uh, preaching three services there at uh, Liberty Church, Blue Angel uh, Campus in, in Pensacola, Florida. I really felt your prayers, and, and things really uh, went quite well, and uh, didn't Pastor Stephen do just a fantastic job uh, last week as he was talking about daring to move, and uh, we want to take the next step in our series and talk about daring to commit, so uh, go ahead and uh, pull out your church app, your Valley Christian Church app, and, and you can follow right along there with the fill-in-the-blank outline uh, that you have there, my notes uh, in front of you, and if you don't have the app yet, you can just download that from the App Store uh, or from Google Play as well. And we've heard just tremendous feedback about the app and how useful uh, that is for sure. Uh, I want to talk about commitment, though, as, as we're, we're in this series, Daring Faith, because a lot of things God wants to do in our life, it takes faith, and the way that that faith really looks is, is through making commitments, by making commitments, that's the way that we demonstrate our faith. Your life is built and shaped by your commitments. That's a, that's a truth. There's a, nothing you can do to change that. Your life, my life, is built and shaped by our commitments or the lack thereof. Uh, we become whatever it is that we commit to. If we don't ever commit to anything, we don't really stand for anything. Uh, you know, we, we're wondering who we are. And, and what our identity is, what we're all about. Uh, history, you read through history and you, you hear about uh, different great historical leaders. I love history, uh, church history, military history, uh, just really history in general. And uh, the fact about the matter is no woman, no man is ever born great. What you find as you read biographies of great leaders throughout the ages is they're not born great, but they become great because of commitments that they make. Commitments they make to truth. Commitments they make to integrity. Commitments they make to relationships. And, and commitments to follow through when the tough get going. When, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And, and so, no man or woman is born great, but great people commit at all costs to great things. And, and the fact about the matter is, in our culture, in our society today, a lot of people are afraid of commitment. And, and as a result of that, there's all kinds of confusion. There's all kinds of personally just people that don't know what, what, what am I all about? Why am I here? Why, what's the purpose of my life? All these things. And so I thought it'd be so important to talk about uh, really daring to commit. And, and starting out in Romans chapter 6, verse 13 in the Living Bible, uh, it, it tells us there, give yourself completely to God. Well, what does that mean? Commit. Commit to God. Give yourself completely to God, every part of you, for you have been uh, brought back to life, and you, uh, and you want to be tools in the hands of God used for his good purposes. And, and so if we want to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life, it all starts with commitment. That's one of the ways that we show our faith in God, it is by really giving ourselves completely to him. Body, soul, spirit, relationships, vocation, our jobs, our, our uh, finances, our families, you know, just everything. 100% God is committed to you. 
And, and, and then in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, New Century Version puts it this way. So, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. 100% offering our lives. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. Did you realize that when you commit to God, you're worshiping him? That, that worship, and, and I'm so thankful for our worship teams, both here in Hopewell and in Poughkeepsie, but sometimes we just think of worship in a very narrow sense. This verse says nothing about singing. It says nothing about music. In fact, the fact about the matter is in the New Testament, there was very little music, very little singing in church gatherings because it was a persecuted church. And, and music travels, even pulling up in the parking lot. I can hear the band playing. Can't hear my voice, though, out in the parking lot right now. But you can hear the music just going right through the walls. But, but worship, we see it so many times just this narrow sense, but the reality is it's everything that we do. And so that's what Paul says here in Romans 12, offering uh, your, your whole life a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual way for you to worship. We worship God through our commitments. We worship God by being committed to the things that he wants us to be committed to. And, and so in, in, as we're talking about daring to commit, and, and for many of us, you know, it's kind of scary. Why? Because it takes faith. It takes faith to make a commitment. Susie and I, as I said, we just got back from Pensacola uh, where we met uh, as college students and we fell in love and, and we drove right by there, the church that we were married in because they, they've moved it since where I was preaching, but we drove right by there and I made a commitment to her, August 18th, 1990. And that was, I'm going to faithfully be your husband until I draw my last breath. That takes faith, not so much in her, but in God. God's going to give me the strength to do that. And, and so even as I was doing that, you know what? That was a form of worship. That, that was a form of worship when I'm making that commitment that pleases God to be married and to be faithful to one woman for a lifetime. And, and so as we're talking about this, understand as we're talking about commitments, just use those, just think of those as, as uh, synonyms. Faith and commitment. Because we can say we have faith, but if it doesn't turn into action, it's not faith at all. We've looked at that before. James, in the book of James, says faith without works is dead. And for the sake of, of talking about this topic of com commitment, faith without commitment, that's the action. It's not really faith. It's dead. It's just, just talk. So I made that commitment, and for the last 25 years, almost 26 years, I've been walking out that commitment that I made to my wife Susie and that I made to God that day on our wedding day in Pensacola, Florida. So, so I want to give you five faith commitments. Five faith commitments, and, and for many of us, just kind of check this off like a, consider this a scorecard. Now, don't, don't score the person sitting next to you, okay? Don't do that at all. But, but just as we go through this, I want you to just ask yourself, where would you rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? In terms of these faith commitments, am I showing a lot of faith in this area of commitment? Or am I showing a little bit of faith? And, and that's what this whole series is about, that we would grow in our faith towards God and we'd live out our faith through actions, through commitments. So, so here's the first faith commitment. 
To strengthen my faith, how are we going to do it? To strengthen my faith, I must join with others in worship. Because it strengthens my faith. In order to, to, for my faith to get stronger, you know what? I, I need to get together with other Christians, just like we are right here, and, and worship God. It, it renews your faith and it restores your joy when you worship. You know, we, we, we've been, in, as I said, down in Florida and we flew back yesterday. We got in last night and, and I'm a little bit tired. And I hope this doesn't shake you up too much. Thought crossed my mind today. Man, I'm not sure I'm up for this. I just, maybe I just stay home. And then my wife said, you can't, you're the pastor. So, <clears throat> but you know what happens when, when we gather with other Christians and you begin to worship? All of a sudden it's like, you're refreshed. And, and all of a sudden you're strengthened. I, I, you know, no one gets stronger laying on the couch. What do you get stronger? You get stronger by doing. And, and it's the same thing. To strengthen my faith, I must join with others in worship because it renews my faith and it restores my joy. One of my favorite verses in the, in the Bible when I graduated from college, uh, my parents gave me a wall hanging, a beautiful wall hanging. Uh, it had an eagle on it. And it had this verse from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, those who, uh, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In fact, uh, one translation actually puts it this way. Those who, instead of hope, it says those who wait on the Lord. And, and that doesn't mean laying on the couch. It means like being a waiter, servant, like waiting tables. Those who serve the Lord will renew their strength. And so as, as much as I was kind of dragging, got a little uh, jet lag, I, I realized, man, I'm going to go, you know what, because I just know God's going to strengthen me. And that's what, I feel pretty strong right now, so look out, I'm going to go an hour and a half in this sermon. No, I'm just kidding, not that strong, so anyway. But, but hope in the Lord, renew their strength. Are you weary? Get to church. Don't drop out. Don't do that. Get to church. Make the commitment, I'm going to worship. Because one of the things is, we always get wearier and wearier, don't we? When we focus on our problems. But that's the power of worship, is that instead of focusing on our problems, we focus on our Heavenly Father instead. And it begins to guide, it begins to give us strength, and He guides us by His Holy Spirit, and we get stronger as a result of it. Look at Psalm 100, verse 2. It puts it this way. Worship the Lord with gladness, with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Some Christians, man, they come to church, look like they're baptized in pickle juice. Just <laughs> praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just God bless you. It's supposed to be joyful. Why, why in the world would anybody who doesn't go to church come up to you and say, man, I, I want what you've got when you're like, Worship the Lord with gladness. Just, just fake it till you make it. Just try to smile. Some of y'all, your face just crack wide open if you just do that. Just try to worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. So important. To strengthen my faith, I must join with others in worship. Because Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of it. God is omnipresent. That means God's presence is with us everywhere, all of it. 
But, but Jesus said there's a special kind of presence, uh, if you want to say a real presence. Some people say a manifest presence where two or three are gathered in my name. And so the first commitment is to strengthen my faith. I must join with others in worship. So here's the second faith commitment. To discover my identity and purpose, I must connect with others in fellowship. To discover my identity and purpose, I must connect with others in fellowship. Sometimes I hear people say, I'm just trying to find myself. You find yourselves in the context of other Christians. It's so important. Not, not off on my own. Not all by myself. Not Lone Ranger. Guess what about the Lone Ranger? Nobody ever talk, no one ever talks about Lone Ranger. He's lonely. He's miserable. Lonely. To discover my identity and purpose, I must connect with others in fellowship. Let me put it this way. You only learn who you are through relationships. That's how we learn who we are, not on our own. It's through relationships. There's so much in my life that, that other people have helped me to understand me. Because he said, like, and, and I know I just, again, just came back from where we went to college, so it's like memory lane. I, I ran into a friend of mine, went to school together, hadn't seen him in 26 years. Been a missionary in the Philippines for the last 26 years. And he's back now, and, and we got talking about old times in the dorm. You know, he said, you know, Greg, even back then, you were always kind of the guy that, and I'm not going to tell you what he said, but, but it just helped me understand, you know, who I was, even, even back when I was 18 years old. He knew me when I was 18. And so, you only learn who you are through relationships. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, back in Romans chapter 12, it says, we're like the various parts of a human body. Watch this now. Each part gets its meaning from Christ's body. You and I discover our purpose when we find our place in Christ's body. As a whole, not the other way around. We don't find our meaning. We don't find our purpose by ourselves. We find our purpose in relationship with other Christians. It goes on and says, each of us finds our meaning and our function as part of his body. That's why it's so important to be committed to a local church. Because we find our purpose. We find the meaning of our life. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Not, think, think about it for a minute. If my ear got cut off tomorrow, how, how do you think, it, how's the hearing? If that ear's over there on the floor, it's not hearing anything. Because the ear only finds its purpose, watch, by being connected to my body. When it's severed from my body, it's lifeless. And you know what will end up happening? It'll shrivel up and it'll decay. So many Christians shriveled up. Shriveling away spiritually. Decaying because they're not connected to the body. And I love how the message puts that. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? I had a friend in, in, in high school... He was running back on our football team, and he got his finger cut off, uh, just the tip of it, uh, in, a, in a lawnmower. And they sewed it back on. And, and it didn't totally sew on. We were at Carmel High School, and, and I handed off the ball to him, and he ran. And then as he's getting up, he's like, oh, no, my finger, my finger. We're like, what? He's like, it came off. 
You should have seen it. We're all on our hands and knees in the grass looking around for Sean's finger. It's really pretty, isn't it? Had to stop the game looking for his finger. They tried sewing it back on again. It wasn't any good, and so they finally just took it off a few weeks later, a month later, that tip of it. That's pretty gross. I just, I just thought about that. I hope that blessed you. Uh, I really do. But, but the whole point is if it's chopped off, it's not good for anything. Listen, are you chopped off from the body of Christ? Where do you fit? Are you a finger? Are you an ear? Are you an eye? It's so important. This means, uh, this is the reason why, think about it. This is the reason why when you're in conflict with someone else, your life is so miserable. You, you listen, bank account can be full. You can be healthy. Great job. Sun shining. Woohoo! But it's that one relationship you're having conflict with, and it seems like your life's going down the tubes. Because relationships are so important, so critical, so vital to our spiritual health, to our spiritual growth. You really learn everything that you are through those relationships. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16 puts it this way. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace. And that was the end of the hostility. Jesus came to bring peace in relationships. And, and, and one of the things I'll just never understand as long as I live is Christians who cut off relationships with other Christians. I don't understand it. Because it, all you got to do is read the Bible. It does not make our Heavenly Father happy at all. Not at all. There's no justification for it. Because we need each other so much. We need each other. And, and, and here in Ephesians, it makes it very clear that Christ got us to embrace. That was the end of the hostility. We're not supposed to. If we're hostile toward another brother or sister in Christ, we're wrong because we have that hostility inside. It's wrong. It's wrong. Not only that, it goes further in the scripture, talking about the importance of relationships in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 19. It says, now God has reconciled us to himself through Christ, watch this now, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's like our job. The job of a Christian is being at peace and reconciling with other people, having healthy relationships. That's our job. As a follower of Jesus. And the message of reconciliation, that's not only our responsibility, it's our message as well. It's all about relationships. So let me ask you, how are you doing on relationships? Just grade yourself on a scale of one to ten. To discover my identity and my purpose, I must connect with others in fellowship. Here, here's the third faith commitment. To develop my potential, I must learn from others to grow. You got to learn from other people. Got to learn from other people. Saw my old college professor while we were down in Florida. He's the one who taught me how to do weddings and funerals. He taught my church administration class. This Saturday, I've got a memorial service that I'm doing because my professor taught me how to do it. I said, thankfully, I've done a whole lot more weddings than I have uh, funerals or, or memorial services. And, and, uh, and we were just reminiscent when he, actually, we took a field trip 
to the funeral home. Woohoo! Yeah. All right. That was a that was a very memorable one. But but he taught me those things, and and I grew not on my own, but from someone else. He helped me along, and man, I was just thrilled to be able to return the favor to him. Introduce my old professor to a friend of mine who could help meet a need in his church and in his network of churches. Just, just help it. We learn from others and we grow. And I grew as a result of, of, of being in my professor's class. And now, all these years later, a few decades later, a couple decades later, I had the chance to, to give him an opportunity to grow as well and introducing him to a friend of mine that could help him and meet a need in that, in that ministry and in that church. So to develop my potential, I must learn from others to grow. There are some things you just cannot learn in a classroom. You can only learn in a relationship. Let me just say that again, in case you missed it. There are some things you just can't learn in the classroom. You can't learn by reading a book, watching a video on YouTube. You only learn it in relationship. Here, here in the Valley Family at Valley Christian Church, we, we, we have environments like this. We call them community groups. Community groups. Where, where you commit, there is that word, for six months to meet together twice a month in relationship to one another. And you, and you begin to share life with one another. Let me ask you a question. If you don't have committed relationships, where else are you going to learn things like forgiveness? Kindness, loyalty. Where else are you going to really learn how to love people unconditionally? Where else are you going to learn unselfishness? You can't, you can't learn that reading in a book, listening to lectures, watching a video. To develop my potential, I must learn from others in order to grow. So I encourage you, if you're not part of a community group here at Valley Christian Church, to, to come on out on March 13th. We have our group link from 6 to 7.30, and, and you can meet some of the leaders and give an opportunity to commit. <laughs> commit in order to grow. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 puts it this way. Christ's body is fitted together. Everyone say together. Together. That's the way that God intended us to live our lives. Christ's body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow, fitted together. Life's not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived together. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 puts it this way. God's kingdom isn't about eating. It's not about drinking. It's about pleasing God, living in peace, and experiencing true happiness. All this comes from the Holy Spirit. God himself. That's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for me. To live in peace. To live in peace and experience happiness. And it comes from God. That's what he wants. So, so how are you doing? How, how are you doing in terms of growing and, and fulfilling your potential, learning from others in relationship? Here's the, the fourth faith commitment I think is so important. And just again, Give yourself a little grade, scale of 1 to 10. Fourth one, to experience significance, I must serve with others in ministry. That's where we find significance. To experience significance, I must serve 
with others in ministry. How's your serve? Where are you serving? That's where we find significance. Do service. It's not through salary or status or sex. It's not where we find significance. I, I, I know so many guys, you know, through the years, trying to find significance of how many women I sleep with. At the end of the day, you wake up, and they got this gnawing feeling on the inside. No, no fulfillment whatsoever. No significance whatsoever. Serving is the pathway to significance. Not selfishness. Being other-centered. Helping others. Serving others. That's how we find true significance. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 puts it this way. Each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Did you know God's given you a spiritual gift? If you don't know that, you, I recommend Growth Track. In, in 301, our, our, our four-class uh, growth track in 301, that, that you actually take a real quick, it's no pass-fail, it's an assessment, and you'll discover what your spiritual gifts are that God's given to you if you've received Christ as your Savior. Each of you have received a gift to use, watch, not for yourself. What's the gift for? To serve others. To serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. So I, I grew up in this church, and, and one of the first jobs I had, I was, I was actually the first technical director that we had in this church. I was the first techie. Oh, we didn't have computers back then. The computer was like as big as a building. We had a slide projector. And, uh, and it was a little different back then, a little slide projector. When, when, when the worship would start, the, the, the fellow who was leading worship, he never told me what the song was. I didn't get a list or anything like that. I just had this box of slides. And I had to listen, and as soon as I could, grab that slide, turn it backwards, stick it into slide machine, and go, and man, I was like a, I was like a gunslinger with that. I would just kind of stand back like that, looking at that box. And it actually helped tune my ears so much that I, I, I'll, I'll call out anybody and name that tune competition. Because I just like, boom. You know, first note, I can name that tune in two notes. Boom. Because I'd be like, and then I kind of like. Well, that was a gift. That was, I was serving even when I was a young man. People say sometimes, man, how did you become pastor of this church at 24? Because I was serving when I was 12. Serving. Let, let me see. Hopefully the camera can catch this. You see all that molding behind those crosses? Behind those windows? I stained every one of those myself. Stained it, got up there on a ladder, and nailed it in right there. Here, here in Hopewell, all of the insulation on these exterior walls, I laid all that with another man. Put it all up in those walls. Myself. I was a college student. Well, Greg, why would you do that? You knew you were going to be the pastor of church. I had no clue. I never wanted to come back to this place. <laughs> God can change your heart. But what I knew is this. Is I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. As a young pastor, I didn't have any staff. You're looking at the whole staff. Cleaned all the toilets. Back in the floor. Change the light bulbs. I, I have done it. Oh, oh, don't even get started in children's ministry. I, 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 I taught Sunday school for years and years and years. It, it was like the, I was teaching kids that were like two years younger than me in Sunday school. Just serve anywhere I could help. Just serve, serve, serve. And you know what I found? Significance. 
fulfillment, significance. To experience significance, I must serve with others in ministry. See, so, so, many, so many people uh, are not really looking for significance. What, what they're really looking for is like uh, being uh, recognizable. <laughs> being recognized, but not significant. I, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be a, a face, a famous face. I want to be significant. Let, let me try to illustrate this. My nose, I broke my nose. My nose is kind of significant. It, it, when I open the door, it kind of gets here five minutes before the rest of me does. It's very, you know, it's very prominent. Let me put it this way. My nose is very prominent. But you know what else? Inside of me, I've got a heart. I've got lungs. I've got kidneys. They're not very prominent, but they're a lot more significant than this. If I didn't have my nose, I could still probably breathe. But if I didn't have my heart, I wouldn't live anymore. My heart, my lungs, my kidneys, they're more significant, but they're not as prominent. So many people want to be prominent. Just a flash in the pan. But not significant. If you want to be, experience significance, I must serve with others in ministry. And it's all about being together alongside one another. I love this. Maybe you've heard this before. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 puts it this way. Two people are better than one because, there it is again, together. Two people are better than one because together they have a good reward for their hard work. Two are better than one. Then it goes on, it says, if one falls, the other can help his friend get up. But how tragic it is for the one who is all alone when he falls. There's no one to help him get up. No one. And it goes on and says, again, if two people lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one person keep warm by themselves? Doesn't happen. Together. Bible goes on and says, though one person may be overpowered by another, two people can resist one opponent. A triple braided rope is not easily broken. They're like, you know, two are really important, but you know what? Three is even better. Three is even better. Together. What's that talking about? I like to think about that even in terms of marriage. In terms of marriage, Susie and I, it's not just two people in our marriage, it's three. God, Susie, and Gray. Threefold cord. Triple braided rope is not easily broken. There, there's, there's so much to be said in life about together. As we're talking about to experience significance, I must serve with others in ministry. See, when we work together, three things real quick that happen. There, this doesn't happen by yourself. This doesn't, as an individual, if you want to have be a solo act all your life and, and not be committed in relationship and serving and, and, and alongside other people, these three things are, are really not going to happen. But if we're together, if we're part of a team, and I thank God for the team of, of uh, dream team here at Valley Christian Church that serves week in and week out. Now, let me tell you what happens because of our dream team. When we work together, number one, we maximize our impact. That's what's being said there in Ecclesiastes. We maximize our impact when we're together. Two people together. Side by side. As a team, 
what you do with other people in this church will far outlast anything you ever do on your own as an individual. I make no exceptions to that. What, what, what you do alongside other people in, in, in a local church, it will far live. It will far exceed anything you'll ever accomplish on your own as an individual. Nobody accomplishes anything, by the way, on their own. There's always someone behind them. There's always a group. Always a group. Let me put it this way. One drop of rain doesn't make a difference in a desert, but a million drops of rain can make a desert a garden. Just think about it. Maximize our impact together. Serving together in ministry. Second thing is this. We minimize our failures. We minimize our failures. Because we help each other out. That, that's what the, the Bible is saying here in verse 10. If one falls, the other can help their friend out. But how tragic it, tragic it is for one who falls by himself and fails. So glad times in my life when I felt spiritually weak or going through a real struggle, something difficult. I, I, I think about the passing on my mom. And I think about how, how the church just rallied around, just gave me so much strength in prayer. I think about this past week preaching. I was nervous preaching. But I felt the prayers of the Valley family. God gave me the grace. And I was calm and at peace when it came right down to it. We minimize our failure. Maximize our impact together. Minimize our failure. And, and here's the third thing. We mobilize our resources we mobilize our resources. I, I can't think of a better example of that than what, what our Poughkeepsie campus is today. Because <laughs> the Valley family together came together and said, you know what? We're not going to just be comfortable. Us. We realize that, that, that God's given us a mission. And so we're going to start a second campus. And we, we mobilized our resources and boom. Amazing to see what God has done and is doing and will be doing. One church, two locations. I'm so thankful. And so we maximize our impact together. We minimize our failure when we're together. We mobilize our resources together. Here's the fifth faith commitment. Last one is this. To make an eternal difference, I must join with others on mission. On mission. We have a mission here at Valley Christian Church to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And, and as long as there's anyone in our community that hasn't heard the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, we're going to keep on working. <laughs> we're going to keep on reaching. We're going to keep on doing. Because that's the mission that God has given to us, reaching people with the life-changing message life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And, and you know what? As soon as every single person in our community, has, we, we, we're not even content with that. We're just going to go wider and wider and wider and wider. To make an eternal difference, I must join with others on mission. Let me end with this. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. This is what's called the great commission. This is the marching orders of Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples, Go and make disciples of all nations. I love that word nations there. In the original language of the New Testament, that's the, the, the Greek word ethnos. It's where we got our word ethnicity. So in other words, Mr. White Pastor Greg, 
don't just go to all the white folks that look like you. I want you to go to people that don't look like you. Go to everyone, every ethnicity. And I love that about the Valley family, where we're not all just, just all looking alike. There, there's diversity in our church family. That's the way Jesus intended for it to be. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the way, we have baptism coming up April 24th. If you haven't been baptized, Jesus said you ought to be, since placing your faith in him, you need to be. And then he goes on and says, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you. So many times people ask me as a pastor to talk to me, and they say, you know what, I just don't, I hear people talking about feeling the presence of God. I just don't feel God's presence. And I ask them this question. When's the last time that you, you went, that you go? Jesus said, go, I'll be with you. Are you on the go? Are you on mission? Do, do you have that same mission to, to reach people? with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus said, when we go, you'll know I'm with you. That there's something about when we go, all of a sudden, we're not wondering, is God with us or not? But when we're quiet, when we're on our own, when we're separated and we're isolated, God, where are you? That's why relationships are so incredibly important. Not just, not just uh, to a church, they're, they're important to God. That's the way God made us. And so right now, I hope in this message you've just kind of scored yourself, scale of one to ten. What, what, what's the one area that you need to deepen your faith by making a commitment? Making a commitment to serve, making a commitment to join with others on mission, making a commitment to join with others in worship, making a commitment to connect with others in fellowship, making a commitment to learn from others and to grow. I'm going to ask, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that's really, really practical for us. And so many times we can talk about having faith. But the fact about the matter is that faith means action. It means making a commitment. It means living those commitments out. And so, God, we ask by your grace that you would strengthen us, that our faith would grow deeper, and Lord, that we would measure where our commitments are on these five different commitments, and Lord, we would go deeper in daring commitment to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, right now, uh, we just want to share.